produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. another episode of Wookiee Radio. It is the Smugglers 3 minus one, but add one member of the Smugglers Alliance. I see, wait. <clears throat> so take the three minus one, double up the five. Carry the two. two to, the fi- to the fifth power. Divide by seven. I hate common core. <laughs> math is math is math. <laughs> um, so it is Derek Jim from Falcon's Lounge and myself, Mike. How's everyone doing? All right. Doing pretty good. All right. All right. All right. Um, Jim was telling us before show that uh, he has caught up with the fan film Star Wars Odyssey. Time yeah, to spill your guts, buddy. Yeah. Well, nice little, nice little short story. Less than uh, just around ten, uh, ten to 12, ten to twelve minutes. Um, pretty cool little story. Um, definitely a fan uh, movie uh, directed by Mark Alex Voigt or Vogt. I don't know. V O G T. Um, it is actually very well done. Um, the uh, uh, the special effects are pretty good. Um, and it's basically like kind of like a uh, a patrol uh, of uh, young soldiers, uh, rebels uh, for the resistance that are going in, and they're trying to uh, take out a turret placement or kind of uh, take it over, so to speak, and uh, on uh, on a faraway planet. And it uh, kind of has this little thing. It's, it's kind of revolved around a uh, a soldier named Quinn, uh, played by Michael Smolinski. And uh, kind of uh, the overtone is you see them, you know, on the planet in kind of like a jungle atmosphere. You know, they come across, you know, uh, uh, you know, patrols and, you know, they're, you know, they they catch the, uh, uh, you know, they catch the Empire's, uh, you know, uh, holding hostages and getting ready to execute them. And they make a decision and they take fire at them and, you know. And then it's the whole trying to get off the planet kind of thing. All the meanwhile, trying to take over this this turret, um, you know, this turret base. And meanwhile, you have a the captain of the ship kind of monologues over it. Um, it's like I said, it's twelve minutes. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. You can pretty much do it, you know, on your lunch break. You know, do it at night before you go to bed. It's actually very good. It's free. You can find it on. Um, uh, on YouTube, and I would have to say that I was uh, pleasantly surprised by the quality of it, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see maybe this guy 
start doing, you know, some of the live action stuff that's coming up very shortly. So that'd be cool. Hmm. Yeah. Now I thought he did a good job and they had great orchestration. So I was very impressed. Not bad for a free 12 minute film. Well, that's cool. I wonder if it got submitted to the uh, Star Wars Fan Awards. I hope so. Yeah, I think it. I think it did because I think it, it. I think it had certain elements of um, you know professional Star Wars. Um, you know, I don't think it has any uh, actual like you know accredited affiliation with Star Wars, but I think it was one of those things. It's kind of like um, almost like Kevin Smith in his early years when he was like you know doing certain things and you know getting the notice right you know of, of, of major you know the major film industry so you know I'm again I wouldn't be surprised if you see this guy Mark Alex Voigt you know coming out pretty soon very cool well aside from the fan film there was uh, some major what, fan cheering on November 8th Thursday November 8th went a lot of, I, I think it kind of went something like this. Oh, wait. Oh. Um, and uh, that's because Disney announced Disney Plus, which is going to be the streaming service. It's officially got a name, and there's some mm-hmm. more details that came out from it, such as what Derek's going to fill us in on next. Well, <laughs> snarl, won't we? <laughs> Derricka. Where to begin? Well, first we so, squeal like a little girl. <laughs> then, we, then we find out how much we got to pay for Disney Plus. Oh. Yeah. They still haven't announced that yet, have they? Spo- supposedly supposed to be cheaper than Netflix. Oh, that ain't bad. And all I got to say is being employed by the company, I hope I see it at even a greater discount. <laughs> like on the arm. <laughs> yeah. As the, as the old gangsters used to go. So. All right. Are you, are you done? Uh, done. <laughs> depends. Are you going to start up again? <laughs> So today, uh, not today, November 8th, excuse me. What is today? Oh, yeah, today's the ninth. ninth <laughs> as we're recording. Oh, hey. Yeah. Um, I've, I've completely lost track of time. <laughs> uh, I think it's because it now gets dark at 4 o'clock and I'm all messed up. <laughs> anyway, hold on. The page is messing up. <laughs> <laughs> Glitch. The Imperials have struck. Son of a... Your story shall not get out. All right. So <clears throat> during the quarter earningly, er, er, quarterly earnings call, <laughs> geez, uh, Bob Iger revealed a ton of planned films and series for the streaming service, which is now going to be called Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? Wasn't it Disney Play last we had heard? Yeah. In, so, included in uh, the announced projects is uh, a surprising entry uh, that is going. This is interesting. So they're going to be doing a prequel series for a prequel of the original Star Wars film. That's right, a prequel to Rogue One, a Star Wars story. It's prequels inside of prequels inside of prequels. Um, but this one is going to star Diego Luna as his Rogue One character, Cassian Andor. 
Mm, very yes. cool. Yes. In a statement published on StarWars.com, Luna said, and I'm not doing any accents or anything, so don't ask. <laughs> well, it depends on who's <laughs> listening. Depends on whether you have an accent or not. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about, kid? It's kind of wicked cool. I ain't got no wicked accent. <laughs> that is Break. not the prop. That is not the proper use of wicked. Break out the duck boats, kid. Depends on where you are in in upstate New York. That was the proper usage of wicked. <laughs> I'm in Gadna. Gadna, hey. Um. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> According to Luna, going back to the Star Wars universe is very special for me. I have so many memories of that great work we did together and the relationships I made throughout the journey. We have a fantastic adventure ahead of us, and this new exciting format will give us the chance to explore this character more deeply. Ooh, isn't that nice? Now, That's nice. Now, in an article... On comicbook.com, they actually get into the details of why this would be a good idea. Uh, I am having an issue. You've been jammed, and it's raspberry. (laughs) (laughs) Raspberry. I like like raspberry jam. It's good. All right. So, uh, interestingly enough... Uh, they mention on this comicbook.com article that Rogue One was kind of controversial. Did you guys think it was controversial? What, Rogue One? No. Yeah. Not really. How would yeah. you? I, thought, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was one of the that was one of the best films, you know, in the in the interims. I don't know. Sure, how, it was how, great... how would it be controversial? Well, um, they don't actually say. They just say it remains one of the more controversial entries in the new era of Disney Lucasfilm Star Wars movies. And no doubt there will be a lot of fans who are skeptical about, if not hostile, toward the idea of Cassian Andor getting his own series. Okay. I would I would, I would, would never have thought that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Never. The well, only maybe, thing maybe. I could potentially see as controversial is the fact that Cassian shoots his one informant to escape. Because the guy yeah, is like severely injured. But, but that's... That's the whole point because he starts off that way and he changed. He he goes through a a, a change in his story. But you you look at Mission Impossible films. You look at some of the others. They do the same type of thing. Yeah, it, it's typical but, spy. It's a typical spy move. Well, let's continue and see what they have to say. So, Rogue One's big sell was its climactic final act, which filled in a crucial piece of Rebel Alliance history. That history in question was the mission to steal the Death Star plans from a secure Imperial stronghold on Scarif, and in doing so, give the Rebel Alliance the small glimmer of hope that would eventually lead to crucial victories of rebellion heroes like Luke, Leia, and Han Solo. It was definitely a grand spectacle and conveyed a powerful theme about the hand of fate and how thin the lines between success and failure or bravery and despair can be in dark, dire times. Oh, okay, here we go. Of course, Rogue One also gets criticized for being something of a disjointed film with the third act famously having to be revised and reshot to get the theatrical version we saw. Uh, The first two acts of Gareth Edwards' film was something much darker, a story of how the war between the rebellion and empire was consuming those fighting it on both sides of the conflict. 
Cassian served as the major poster child for that thematic arc, starting from when we met meet him in Rogue One as he solicits information about the Death Star from a spy and then cruelly murders the contact to tie off that loose end. That thematic line continues throughout the film as Cassian must grow beyond being a by-any-means-necessary war dog who takes whatever order is given and become a leader and hero willing to hold himself to a higher moral standard and lay his life on the line for the cause. Uh, but he kind of did when he killed the informant anyway. Yeah, but he was also he was also going to take the job of killing in Galen, too. So, I mean... That's true. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, he's got to do what he's got to do. I mean, he's a captain in the, you know, in the rebellion. Oh. He, he, he's like rebel special ops. Exactly. Basically, yeah. yeah. Comes to the game. Uh, so then they, they go on to mention how uh, we get some some uh, ideas of Cassian's dark life story, how he lost his family at a young age, uh, how he grew up in a hard world of lies, espionage, and killing, which made him uh, morally made him a morally compromised monster um, that he sees in himself when finally staring down his sniper scope at Galen Erso. Uh, in short, Cassian is the most effective character at conveying a theme Edwards was exploring in Rogue One, and one that will be a great foundation for this Rogue One prequel series. So it's kind of um, a thematic uh, idea of exploring the struggle between the light and dark sides, just like uh, just like we see throughout Star Wars. Um, kind of in his own personal struggles, he right. he starts off he starts off really dark and and you know the uh, the uh, do whatever it takes, follow orders, and he kind of and and he changes throughout the film. Um, so they're hoping that uh, the show will uh, will explore more of a war is hell theme of moral corruption and brutal sacrifice, which has never really been a focus of Star Wars. Star Wars fantastical lore beforehand, but has since become a big part of it, uh, as in The Last Jedi. <laughs> uh, the world that Cassian, the Cassian series will expand upon will be fertile ground for that theme to be further explored as we witness the lonely boy that is Cassian slowly evolve into a hardened, war-torn spy. One dark compromise at a time. Oh, they're kind of comparing it to like kind of uh, they're kind of comparing it to like uh, a Breaking Bad type story, <laughs> a slow descent into darkness. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that would need to be the case, though. Well, sure, why wouldn't it? I mean, if it's going mean, to be not, not if it's Breaking Bad style. Well, yeah, I don't think it's dark as that, but you know, no, I, not I think... as dark as that, but the same kind of idea where he's you know he goes down a, a dark a, a darker path. Path. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, kind of thing, and you know, right. you, right. you, yeah. you kind of get transformed a little bit along the way, and maybe right. some of it, you know, maybe some of it isn't the best transformation, but right. you know, all in all, you know, it it makes you a, a slightly different person, and you don't realize while it's happening that it's happening. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think in a way, I think the Cassian Andor kind of story is is really kind of. Kind of cool, although I, I, you know, I, I hate to say it. I, I always thought in that sh in that movie, always thought he was the more whiny of the two, right up until the end. You know, <laughs> he, he was. He was kind of like you know the emo kid <laughs> who just like you know, oh, 
I'm gonna kill another. You know, it's like oh, you know. Well, and I was, and and you know, I I understand. And you know, Jin or so, you know, was kind of that same boat. So they were kind of like emo kids together. <laughs> Each know? story has to have their whiny bit, you know. Yeah, their whiny person. <laughs> exactly. But you, you know what? I I think I think the one thing Diego Luna did well was he kind of. He shows he he acts with an emotion that shows the conflict, right? You know? Yeah. So you don't have to kind of explain it. You can see it on his face. You can see it on the right. Back. Yes. Yeah. You can see it in the in his kind of his his moodiness, and so I always thought that was a really cool thing about about Diego Luna. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I I thought he did great in the role. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't really see him that emo. It it, it was more I for me it was more of the whole line of um really i gotta do this again type thing it's almost like he was initially bored until he until jen came around and and put a little oh we're not gonna sit back and wait to be given the orders we're just gonna go and do yeah Mm, i didn't see him as bored but yeah i I didn't quite see him as bored but i i can also understand maybe impatient to get to 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 bring it to the bring it to the empire a little quicker yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. tell he was gonna he he wanted to go but Mm. you know he was conflicted he was you know he 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 had that you know you know am i becoming the empire that i'm fighting you know and i and i think in a way you i think every kind of you know you know spy or soldier spy kind of feels that way in a way you know am i becoming what i despise fighting against right you know but it takes a savage to fight the savage so true you know okay well the fan reaction has been pretty decent yeah yeah, I would say I would say the fan reaction, you know, according to a comic book, they, they've, uh, you know, they they have quite a few uh, responses. You know, what I'm seeing here is a lot of people are really exciting, excited to, uh, you know, see the, uh, you know, see the kind of the backstory of Cassie and Andor, and, and probably more than just that, I think they're excited to see kind of the infancy of the rebellion. You know, they they want to get those little backstories that. You know, spy stories always work out well, and so those intrigues always come out. So you know, a lot of people. I mean, it's been a mixed review. Um, you know, you know, there's one. Uh, let me see. Here's a couple of responses. Uh, Amy Radcliffe. Will we see? We will we see when Cassian and K20 meet? Because I'm here for it. I think a lot of people want to see some more K K K two S O. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. I, I thought they covered that though in the uh, in the Star Wars in the Marvel one-off. I think they I think they did, but at the same time, I think I think people I think people really you know the the one thing I have to say about Star Wars in general is that it has made an absolute fan of people who love droids and I'm, I'm one of them. Because yeah. I look, I look forward, like I look forward to the BB eight moments, the R2D two moments, C3PO. Like those were my yeah, right. favorite things when I was a kid, other than, you know, being a fan of Darth Vader. I don't know what that says about me, but um, you're but, sick, man. <laughs> <I'm twisted. laughs> but, uh, let me see. Uh, Oh, we have one. Um, <laughs> it's kind of okay. This is from Pretty Cheaper. Um, at Run with Skizzers <laughs> at uh, at uh, Twitter, and he says, "Let him touch Jabba." Okay, that's kind of an odd one. Uh, what? <laughs> you get some weird ones here, but uh, the best Rogue One character gets their own show, uh, according to Indiana Jedi. Uh, let me see. 
some just more make some noise for Cassie and Andor. Uh, Cassie was the best character in Rogue One. Uh, Zach at Zach Condro Teco. Tenko. Uh, breaking Disney announces Star Wars prequel about the guy who tried to sell Obi-Wan Kenobi death sticks and <laughs> got told to go home and rethink his life. <laughs> yeah, cool. um, it'd be pretty cool if Cassie and Andor series somehow showed cross paths with K2SO and showed how K2 was reprogrammed. Um, yeah, so I think I think I, I think it's kind of <laughs> Cassie and Andor show means only one more thing. Awesome Star Wars jackets. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think a lot of people are excited to kind of see it. Um, you know, again, the naysayers are going to say it, you know, you know, oh, those yeah. who. You know, and and I, I I hate to say it, we we've seen all the the dark side of fandom coming out, and a lot of people with the Last Jedi and stuff like that. Um, yeah, they're they're getting a little boring. Yeah, but I think I think overall, I you know I remember hearing a lot of just positive stuff about uh, Rogue One. Rogue One was a very interesting mm. story, kind of filled in a lot of blanks when it first came out. And so I think I think I think it's going to be great because it's going to complement the Mandalorian. You know, right. it's kind it's kind of very interesting. It's got that spy, you know, uh, uh, John Le Carre kind of feel to it, you know, but set in the galaxy far, far away. So I think it's I think it's gonna be kind of I think it's gonna be interesting and you get a lot of K two, you know. So yeah. mm. hopefully a lot more K two. Yeah. Yeah. Which means that Alan Tudyk is gonna be quite yeah, busy. I, I was just exactly. I was just thinking that, yeah. <clears throat> So yeah, and he's definitely a sci-fi favorite of a lot of people. So I think you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it has been cool though in, in a different way. Um, a show that is currently out, of course, is Star Wars Resistance, um, which is is doing well. I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, glad to see the animation side still going. Can't wait for the Mandalorian. Can't wait for this Cast Cassian mm-hmm. Indoor or Andor series. Um, but uh, here here's some fun facts about Children from Tahar. Uh, what we know is the show starts off with uh, some bounty hunters or some people talking about this bounty on a couple kids from Tahar that have gone missing. And we find out that uh, the First Order is involved in possibly why the bounty's there so they can be hunted uh, and brought back to the First Order. But it doesn't, they don't really specifically say why. Um, but um, one of the first things is we have the acceleration compensators or devices for that use repulsor lift or anti-grav technology to cancel out g-forces from rapid accelerations why is this important because this is what tam's putting on her ship that uh kaz kind of destroys which leads him to going to aunt jay's with niku to see about possibly getting a new compensator and this is when they find out about the kids and they figure well we go find the kids we will go and get the money and hey i'll have some money to actually spend on on the colossus well prior to um uh, shortly after we have uh kaz and niku looking around for the kids when we see them out in the marketplace um but prior to this, there were some scenes cut that would have had Kaz and Niku asking around acquisitions to see if Flix and, and Orca knew anything about the missing children. And then going to the administration's office or admissions office before finally going to uh, see 
Akil before running into Akil and Ella in the marketplace. Now, color the color coded food looks interesting. Uh, as we're in the marketplace, the Ugnot food vendor has its own unique stand where he serves up a questionable menu of blue squid, purple kebabs, mystery soup, and blue bacon. Uh, his I, car- like, I like that that there was an Ugnot. That was cool. Yeah. Well, at first I questioned, like, is this really an Ugnot? Yeah, me too. I was like, ah. um, and then he did the snore, and I'm like, okay, that's an Ugnot. <laughs> Um, yeah. And the character design was based off one one of a lineup of background characters created for the pitch for the show, which is awesome. And we get to see Ugnot's feet, not in booze like we see in, in the mm. other. Now, here's a cool bonus fact. The food kill and Ella or Elia still in the marketplace is a puffer pig bacon. That's a pig like Ugnot uh, that that a pig like Ugnot is selling in its and it's particularly unpleasant. Mm. So, in other words, it stinks. Um, <laughs> now, there's a marketplace in, on all four quadrants of the Colossus. Uh, the one that Kaz and friends frequent is located in the A quadrant, just above Jaeger's garage. Uh, the adjacent corner where Aunt Z's is located. Uh, there's also a wide variety of sellers selling spice, fruits, and vegetables. Vegetables, cook foods of all types, trinkets, and tools. At the very end of the marketplace, right next to several refuse dumpers, dumpsters is Bolza Gruel's live gorg stand. Now, if you read the signs at the at Bolza's gorg stand, uh, it translates to most taste, best flavor guaranteed. And then nearby <laughs> signs set uh, with an arrow says "fresh for you." <laughs> <laughs> so um there ends up being a a name change earlier versions of the characters of kel and isla isla well this is the third different spelling of this name in the story <laughs> um originally they were going to be named Bo and dopa <laughs> which is one and two in huttonese or huddies okay, okay. <laughs> now um niku takes them to the to the engineers of the Colossus, and they're a, a very indigenous sentient species from Castilion. Uh, they're amphibious and prefer to live, ab- but prefer to live above water. And they carry all their belongings with them on their shells. These are almost like the uh, the creatures from Dark Crystal. Uh, crap, I can't think oh, of the name. Uh, they're similar to them, but. Uh, they also have a very turtle esque look to them. Uh, the males, my memory. <laughs> the um, the males have facial hair while the females do not. Well, duh. <laughs> In this particular group, tri slash tribe, all have similar nose rings. Uh, bonus fact: the Chiladi species shares a name with a family of real world turtles on our planet. No kidding. Yep. It was so huh. cool seeing the one when they're dormant, they're on their backs. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, now, answering to Captain Phasma, Commander Pyre was designed to stand out with his own unique trooper armor. While the base of his armor is identical to that of the standard First Order trooper, his is in gold chrome. Uh, he also wears a black pauldron and has a matching gold and black blaster. So that are that be eight fun facts about uh, Star Wars Resistance children of Tahar. <laughs> Those were indeed fun facts. Those it, it was cool. it was a fun episode. Um, when, when the first yeah. order come in and they see the kids and the kids, they go, we're not, we're not going to be taken. 
and they drop through the through the Colossus in the hole that was there, and and, and it freaks out Kaz. And did it freak? Out? I'm trying to remember. Did it freak out Kaz? No, Kaz was underneath. So they yeah. knew what yeah. they knew what was going to happen. Um, but they go, well, how did they get away with? With fooling them that they were dead, and of course Niku says, "Remember, they could the Chalati could could slow down their meta- their their life cycle like, to be almost yeah. lifeless." Right. So but it was cool that they're the ones who jumped in to pretend that they were the kids. Yeah. So I, yeah, it was it was a fun episode. Another another interesting thing I like seeing was uh, oh, what was what was his name the uh, the first order commander Pyre. Yeah, in his his um, armor was interesting. You notice they all named Phasma Pyre. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I forgot what the uh, pilot's name is. I can see a P. Oh thing yeah, there. I don't think there's a P with him. He might have to go pee, but <laughs> not, well, that his, gold, his, not that gold. His armor color. was yeah, his armor was kind of pea colored. <laughs> I was talking about the, the fighter pilot, our Mr. Yeah. Red Baron. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what his name was now. I, I'm looking it up. Curse my old man memory. Hi, welcome to another episode of, of Wookie Radio. Oh wait, we've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I can only keep one thing in my memory at a time. <laughs> only one thing. That's why I have to write down my name every so often. You oh, are Derek. Oh, do you okay. write Derek or do you write Chumley? Chum Ick. Von Reg is his name. <laughs> Von Reg. Oh, yeah, that's right. Von Reg. Yeah, because oh, yeah, yeah. th- that's why we're giving him the Red Baron kind of moniker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So, um, but some other cool news, though, coming from... The Lucasfilm family, uh, aka Industrial Light and Magic. Ooh. Uh, you just Ooh, wow. ruined my bit that I was about to do. Uh oh. Okay, do your bit. Don't, no, don't. we can't it's ruin the late. bit. It's do your ruined. bit, man. Well, the whole thing was I was gonna, you know, bring up a question of what's the biggest thing. What's one of the big things you think of when you think of Lucasfilm? Ah, eh, never mind. Anyway, that's right, kids. It's it's ILM. <laughs> <laughs> that's a stretch. <laughs> Welcome to ILM. Hey, your you, headquarters you, for beautiful graphics. You, you, film. You, you know. Joseph Cole loves the title Weeby Geeks, and he was the original Doctor Doom. Oh, right. Beat us to the segue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, ILM. What does it mean? What does it stand for? <laughs> the Industrial Light and Magic. You want to do the... He asked what it stood for. Yeah, we're article. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, one of the big things to come out of the Star Wars saga is a little um, special effects division known as ILM, otherwise known as, uh, you know, <laughs> Industrial, Industrial Light, Light and Magic. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> so, with the upcoming Disney Plus and Mandalorian and now Cassian Andor show, uh, the special effects studio has announced that they are going to be launching a television division, ILM TV. And their first project is going to be Star Wars The Mandalorian. 
Now, Mandalorian. According to Rob Bredo, Bredow, whatever, executive creative di- director and head of ILM, uh, he said, it's not often you get to create a new division at Industrial Light and Magic. We are seeing a real convergence in our creative approach used on films and in our immersive entertainment division, ILM X Lab. And now we're proud to be able to offer these ILM innovations in a way that's suitable for streaming and television work to creatives around the world. So this still doesn't exactly shed new light on what we can expect from the first live action Star Wars TV show. But we can at least be take comfort in the fact that the show will probably rival that of the saga films. Uh, of course, series like Game of Thrones and others have a noticeable increase in production value throughout their tenure. Uh, ILM's announcement should relieve Star Wars fans to know that the scale of the new show will rival that of the films. Of course, this is not the first time that ILM has worked on a TV series. Uh, they originally broke into small screen storytelling with a little show called The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Ooh, Great series. Remember that one, kids? Remember that one, kids? That was a good one. Uh, according to VFX supervisor Hayden Jones, we are extremely excited to be reigniting ILM's involvement in this market and to showcase the team's expertise, unrivaled technology, and production management globally. The television and streaming segments have grown exponentially in recent years, and we are seeing substantial demand for high-caliber visual effects that can be delivered on schedule and within a budget, all of which lie at the core of our team's expertise and proven track record. So, as we have discussed earlier, the Mandalorian series will reportedly consist of 10 episodes and will have a budget of roughly $100 million for the first season. Uh, that price tag rivals a season of Game, and Thro- Game of Thrones, uh, though the partnership between Lucasfilm and ILM could probably see a bigger bang for your buck. Over there, Buck, I should say. Uh, And for those who don't know, and if you're listening to the show, you should know. But anyway, I'll go over it. Star Wars The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the New Republic. Tattoo him. Possibly. I have a feeling... I have a feeling it might we might see some Tatooine, but we'll probably see a lot of I don't think we're just going to see one planet, hopefully. And yeah, probably, uh yeah, probably hmm? not. Probably not. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna hopefully, be cool. Yeah. Possible. The, yeah. Although it's kinda of, it's kind, um, of, kind of upsetting though. I mean, you know, if you think about it, you know, I think a lot of people had their hopes set on, you know, the Mandalorian being you know, or the series being about you know, the Mandalorian exile after the, you know, after some of the battles that they had. And mm. well, I think See, me, the, I, yeah, a little I bit like more, this. a little bit more pre, pre, prehistory, you know, Mandalorian history, you know, so I think it's kind of a, you know, I think some people are upset. I mean, I'm not, I'm not all that upset because I thought it was pretty cool that, you know, they're, they're going off of the story, you know, the character made by Chuck. Yeah. Lennon. Yeah. Well, we don't know for sure that that's the character they're using. 
okay. If we want to be denial. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that was not that it was never actually officially said. So I know. we don't go. We don't go with anything until it's officially said here on Wookiee Radio. Yeah, this is true. Because things change all the time, Boba Fett. Very true. <laughs> but we have thought, well, what if what if the Mandalorian is the gun smoke or not? Well, yeah, gun smoke of the Star Wars universe. Very true. I, I kind of would like to see that. Mm, yeah, me too. I think I think it's going to be pretty neat. Although I heard, although I heard uh, some of the uh, some of the set props got uh, boosted on uh, on the set. You, you must have listened to last week's episode of Wookie Radio, yeah, <laughs> where we discussed that. <laughs> I don't know things. Things kind of come a little bit late, you know. You know, uh, meaning we're many parsecs away on the uh, Falcons Lounge, but <laughs> true. But we did make the Kessel Run in twelve. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, uh, Jim mentioned that he, he kind of liked this next story because of the techie side of things with it. Yes. Well, anybody knows anything about me knows that I'm a tech geek and I, I love tech and, and all that is. And, you know, I, I'd much rather look at blueprints and schematics of uh, the uh, the Falcon than, uh, than uh, a lot of other things in the uh, galaxy far, far away. But one of the cool things and a big fan, 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 fan theory and a big fan theory is that uh, about the split lightsaber, the uh, tug of war that uh, Kylo Ren and uh, and Ray had over Luke Skywalker's old original lightsaber. And of course, we always saw that in the middle of that, the lightsaber split in half and that Ray grabbed both ends and took it with her when she took off. But now, lo and behold, we noticed and we saw in the picture that the kyber crystal that was in the middle of that uh, uh, lightsaber supposedly was split or cracked in half, rendering it broken. And so, you know, a couple of things, a couple of people, uh, The Last Jedi uh, host Annie Gutierrez referred to them as broken, which fueled speculation about the relic. Okay. So now Andy came back. Yeah, another fan, uh, one Er Rangelb. Reached out to me yesterday with the same image of the crystals on the prop display were very jagged, so my brain went straight to broken. I agree that most likely broken at that juncture, and we're speaking of the two crystals, which means that somebody, and we all know who that somebody is, Pablo Hidalgo, pointed out that also check the movie as the prop was digitally altered in post, implying that the physical artifact might not be the best representation of the in-world canon, which means that, okay, so we're looking at this at the at the at the unit at the uh, the lightsaber, and we're seeing that the kyber crystal looks like it's split in half. So it's a little bit edited in the movies to give it a little bit more look to it than the real life prop, but leads to a very very interesting uh, fan theory of what is Ray going to do? Mm. Now, as we all know, and any Jedi to become a Jedi must go find their own kyber crystal and construct their own lightsaber. Now, it's not always the case in past and in, in the books and somewhat in lore of Star Wars past, meaning that you could uh, you could adapt a say a former master's lightsaber, but you must find your own crystal and make it your own because the crystal is the color of your soul, so to speak. Henceforth, why all Sith lightsabers are always red. 
Okay, and each lightsaber, each crystal reacts a little bit different. Like, oh, the, is that why my my lightsaber is invisible? Yes, it's very true. Because you know, <laughs> well, you know, they, they did touch on. Uh, it was the new Vader series. Um, it, dumb, that was started by Charles Soule. That mm. kyber crystals bleed. That's why the red ones are red. Yes, yeah, they they bleed, and, they, and basically what it is is your soul emanates through the kyber crystal. And because Sith are so hostile, the kyber crystals have a tendency to bleed and they bleed with the essence of, of what would be, you know, you know, a generic, you know, for blood. I mean, we're talking about the galaxy far, far away. So we look at it from a more humanistic standpoint where blood is red. But it's the emotion. It's, you know, red is the color of anger. And it's the, you know, so the, the, Kyber crystals kind of take on the personality of those who utilize them. So, henceforth, a lot of the different colors schemes come out. So, it's why gems is pink. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Never go against pink. And that's salmon, by the way. But, <laughs> but technicality. But, that sounds but a little fishy. <laughs> uh, oh, but Derek, <laughs> good dad joke there, buddy. But um, <laughs> but the cool thing is, is that now this kind of gives a kind of a, a little bit of perk to the story. What is what is Ray really going to do? She can't quite use the old Kyber crystal, or maybe she can in some aspect, but it's not going to be quite be the same. But she can reconstruct because she's a she's a great technician and you know a great uh, you know technical repairer. So she can repair the 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 uh, the outer casing. That's not a big deal. But now she has a mission. Where is she going to go? How is she going to get the Kyber crystal? So I think the really kind of cool thing is, and that a lot of you know fan theories are, are revolved around it uh, of the little minutiae of what is Ray going to do and where is she going to go find a kyber crystal? Because, you know, it's kind of kind of a, a very interesting part of the story because no one ever talks about what happened with Luke Skywalker. Like Luke had his father's lightsaber, you know, given to him by Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. And in the original Star Wars movie, you know, episode episode four. He's given this lightsaber and he's told that it was his dad's and he goes out and he uses it, you know, blah, blah, blah. So then come around to, you know, Return of the Jedi. Now he's got a green lightsaber, totally constructed of his own. You know, this one's had put put into retirement. Obviously, somehow uh, uh, Maz came up with it. Okay, she puts it away in a box in her cantina. So what happened? How did he construct his 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 lightsaber? Where did he go to find his kyber crystal? So it kind of gives you kind of a a, a preview of what the new J.J. Abrams movie is going to be about. Is part of it has to describe you know where like Luke Skywalker comes back, talks to her, and says, "Listen, this is what you have to do. This is where you got to go, and you got to find one of these things." So. You know, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a cool story. I'm, you know, I might be geeking out about the technical aspect of it, but <laughs> that's just me. Okay. But interesting fan theory. Yeah. Well, another fan who's hoping to get another crack is um, Ron Howard says he's open to direct another film in the Star Wars franchise. Um, now, after inheriting directing duties of uh, Solo, a Star Wars story midway through, um, and then also overseeing one of the lowest grossing films of the franchise, which is not his fault. Mm. We've talked about this many times. Um, Howard has said he's not opposed to returning to Lucasfilm for another project. 
script. Uh, the director spoke with Metro about making another Star Wars movie, uh, prompting an end, an open-ended response. He goes, I had a great experience with that. It would depend entirely on the story. Uh, so right now, the Star Wars franchise has become a family affair. Bryce Dallas Howard is stepping behind the camera to direct an episode of John Favreau Fava Bean's upcoming series, The Mandolin, following in her uh, father's footsteps. Howard spoke about his his daughter's experience in the Star Wars galaxy. Excited that he gets the experience it vicariously, uh, as he's quoted as saying, "My daughter Bryce is thrilled. She's been announced to be directing one of the new episodes of the series, headed by John Favreau. Uh, she had she's having a great experience, so I'm kind of living it through her." living it again through her it's just a creative inspired group of movie lovers who make these projects now um let's see according to how what howard wrote on twitter didn't meet projections but amounts to a new personal best check hashtag solo a star wars story or balance feedback and then see it on the big screen now this is back when it's coming out um he was later quoted by saying, everyone at Lucasfilm and Disney really cares about the fans. Uh, I think it's an ongoing process of discovering what it can be and what it can all add up to. So it's a process, and I like the fact, personally, that they take some chances, take some risk, and see how people respond to it. So that's what we have there. Well, you know, personally, I feel that Ron Howard did a fantastic job with Solo. I mean, we all know yeah, his too. we all know his directing chops. I mean, the guy did Apollo thirteen. He did, yeah, you know, um, uh, uh, um, no, he's done quite a few movies. You know, you know right. which ones he's done. <laughs> I, 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 like my mind's blanking here because I, I got a train of thought going. But anyways, yeah. I think I, you know, I, I think the movie was was well done. I think the the worst part about Solo. Was the timing? I mean, it, I I right, really yeah. believe that it, it came way too close to when the Last Jedi came out. Mm. Too many people were still kind of split and angry about that. Yeah. Solo's timing came at a part, uh, you know, right at the beginning of summer when you know people are just not flocking to the movie theaters to go see big budget films, and you know you're taking a hallowed character in the Star Wars franchise and you're making his story. So, you know, it's got to be good. Not to mention that I think Howard got kind of a, a bad rap because he took it over for two directors who were fighting with each other and fighting over the direction of which way it should go. So he had to step in in order to salvage the film at all. Comes in, makes, I think, what was a great knockout film, you know, puts it all together, made it a nice coherent story, left enough little plot holes to make it so that, you know, you could you could make spin-offs of that of that movie with character that with actors that are young enough to still portray those characters at that point in time. Right. You know, making it easily for the Disney Plus and still having uh, you know, a movie that was pretty darn tight in my opinion. Now, again, like I said, timing is everything. And I think that Solo as a whole completely just it 
If it was coming out in December, I think a lot of people, I think it probably would have made as much money, if not more. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't think that telling Ron Howard, you can't have another shot, you know, especially after, you know, he took a big personal risk just coming in to try to salvage the film in the first place. Hey, it could, which, have, it could have been Solo, Pet Detective. Exactly. <laughs> which it almost oh. turned into. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, you know, if you think about it, he put his personal reputation on the line but at the same time listen if you're a big Hollywood director and you get an opportunity like if I called up you know like, like I said we used Kevin Smith reference earlier if you called up Kevin Smith and said Kevin we want you to direct a you know an episode of you know that little troll guy who sits at the foot of Jabba the Hutt you know and Unless we want you to make a full piece chrome yeah yeah so yeah and we want you to make a a, a, a full length feature about that guy do you think Kevin Smith's going to go, mm, no, nah, not really. I'm not going to do that. Of course he is. He's going to jump on that opportunity because he's going to try to make it the best film that he can. So I don't see the fact that you should take and penalize Ron Howard. I think you should give him the opportunity because he made a good movie. So right. that's my two cents about it. Okay. Well, since we have some time, actually quite a bit of time, um, Entertainment Earth has come out and announced its exclusive or Europe, uh, but you get well, Hasbro released their Europe only release, but you could get it here at the States as an exclusive from um, Entertainment Earth. Now, it's a six inch Han and Leia in Hoth garb, um, but there's a little controversy with this. Han's wearing a brown coat, not blue. Whoa. Now, why? Well, the truth is, Han's coat was officially brown. Whoa. Even though every picture we have seen growing up as kids, everything was blue. The characters were blue. So, but yet, the, the actual coat sitting in the archives is brown. Whoa. 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 So, so yeah, here here we are with uh, these figures. Uh, I'm not sure what the price is. Uh, they said you go pre-order. Uh, pricing for these are going to be forty nine ninety nine, and they're already pre sold out. The pre orders are sold out. <laughs> so well, how brown? I mean, how brown does brown look? Because I mean, I remember in the in the movie, and you know, growing up in a place where there's lots of snow, you understand that 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 the light that snow can reflect off a thing can make it look a different color or different contact or it, different. It's, it's almost a chocolate brown. Yeah. I, I could see that because, I mean, if I remember from the original film, yeah, sure, you know, it looked it looked blue, but, you know, you never know what snow can do to yeah. it. You never saw it. In- well, I, I think what everyone is so flabbergasted about is it took many years for them mm. to come out and go, uh, that was, it's not brown, it's blue. And people are like, yeah, no, no, <laughs> it's Brown, not blue. It just took forever for it to to get announced that way. You know, it, you know what's interesting is I just I just looked up I just Googled Han Solo on Hoth to see what you know what comes up and yeah. uh, there, there's on HalloweenCostumes.com there's a Han Solo in Hoth gear men's costume and it's he's wearing a, a brown jacket. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, well. Yeah, there there are there's movies st- there's stills from the movie and yeah, holy well, moly! But what's funny is if you notice there's a, there's a there's an action figure if you go to the images thing on that same Google page, 
you go to this an action figure, uh, probably from the original Kenner line, and he's got a blue jacket. <laughs> right, yeah. I used to have that one. With the blue jacket. Well, the, the other funny part is, too, all some of these companies, like, um, well, I know Biofreeze with their backpacks and whatnot, based on Solo and Hoth, is blue. Right. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, Adidas, um Echo and all that, they based it around blue, not brown. Yeah. It really, but it is. It's actually brown. Yeah, uh, it, actually, if you take a if you take a look, there's the one where he's, where he, where he's holding the gun, you know, his his famous pistol, uh, right after he shoots the probe, and you can see that you know if you look at it, it's it it's I mean you know obviously snow covered. You know, and again, right, we all yeah. know snow snow adds a different prism to it. Right, but it's it's definitely brown. I mean, it's a brown jacket. It's cho- it's chocolate brown, so I think that's what gives it that navy that navy blue effect. But you know, wow, yeah, yeah. But why would he be wearing blue and like say Luke, who also's in the same thing, is wearing the tan? Right. Like the tan vest with the white sleeves. Right. Well, you know. why? Why would none of if you the, think about it? Yeah. None of the uh, the rebels are wearing anything blue. No. So right. to speak. No. They're all wearing beige and brown. The the normal colors of the of the rebellion. Right. So. Wow. You know, I wonder if it's a thing of the toy coming out and he's blue, and then everybody just assumed. I think so. Just, probably. Yeah, just went with the blue. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, he wears blue. Yeah, just like my toy. See. Well, like oh. a, like a, and, and like I said, you know, and again, you know, knowing knowing how things look in the snow and you know the different lighting, you see a majority of it. You see it on like the natural sunlight. You know, wherever they filmed it. Right. Um, and so you know, of course, you're not looking too much of the color, so you only get a couple of little glimpses of like when he was in the hangar coming real fast. Right. And so no one ever, and you know, the last thing you were like, you know, what what happened to Luke? Where's Luke? Where's Luke? I'm worried about Luke. And you're not going, is that brown or is that blue? Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then is the dress white or blue. <laughs> exactly. Then then he goes out to find Luke, and he's you know. Yeah, He's all scene, covered yeah. in snow and everything, so you're like, uh, what? I don't, don't then, matter what color. Exactly, and then he's cutting open the guts of tauntauns, and you know, you know, that's I a little they smelled bad. <laughs> maybe <laughs> on the outside. <laughs> maybe maybe tauntauns have blue blood, and that's how his jacket got blue. Who knows? You never know. It's you it's know? like um, tauntauns are blue bloods. Sure. <laughs> okay. Why not? Hey. Uh, in a related story, personal story, I recently purchased a new flannel. Um, Is it blue or brown? Was, <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. I, I was wearing it the other day um, at my work under the fluorescent lights, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, Is this thing blue or gray? I can't tell. And I'm staring at it, and I'm like, I cannot tell what color this is. <laughs> See, it's one of those fluorescents are really bad to, to use for that because they put right. off a greenish tint to begin with. Right, yeah. So yeah. what you got what you gotta do, Derek, is go over to the other building where all the presses are and go over to the go over to the light tables and put it underneath there and it'll tell you. <laughs> so um 
Any other stories that popped up? Not that I found. Nothing. Nothing. Just a like little scuttle and stuff like that about you know people are getting people are getting kind of antsy. And and again to to bring it back to the whole solo at the wrong time of the year thing. I think everybody's getting ready. They're jonesing for their December Star Wars fix, and it's just not going to happen this year. Yeah. So I think I think people are. But I think that might, in a way, be a good thing because of what happened to Solo. So now it's like, you know, Solo came out too soon and people, you know, people weren't ready for it and all that, blah, blah, blah. But now, come December, there's no Star Wars movie. So people might be like, oh, man, I wish there was a Star Wars movie. You got to wait a whole nother year for a Star Wars movie. Yeah. So that'll make you know that'll that'll help build up the anticipation and the excitement that Solo kind of missed out on, unfortunately. I, w- I will tell you one thing about the Solo movie kind of tanking a little bit. That that kind of, well, it, I, we say tanking, but it it made four hundred million dollars. So yeah, yeah, no, it, it's yeah, not no. really like it was a it's, desperate death, you know, death rattle. But you know, because it ranks number five on the all time, uh, five or six on the all time Star Wars film, you know, rating, you know, money makers. Right. Yeah. The one good thing about it is that the big. 7500 piece Millennium Falcon Lego set uh, it's been deeply uh, discounted. I found it, it as low, I found it as low as $130. No. 130 bucks. Wow. That's insane. So so that I I am actually, you know, you know my oldest son kind of is now getting into the Lego building kind of thing and he's mm-hmm. a, you know, a Star Wars freak, you know, kind of like me. So I think mm-hmm. that's okay. going to become the Christmas family project where I'm going to get that and we're going to build that 7,500 piece. See, I have, no, I have no place to put it. So I would leave it in its box and put it in the closet Very true. with the wheels. <laughs> but I would have access to the black Lego VIP card. Oh. <laughs> so... Well, we can, you know what? We can always put it at the museum of uh, of 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 modern Star Wars over at uh, Derek's house. True. <laughs> it would take up the whole room, though. It's all, it's all right, Derek. Come on, you you, you tell me. You, actually, did you see the one where they they make a uh, a special coffee table where you yeah, can put, oh yes you can put that thing in there and then encase it and so that no one can oh, touch it. I have seen it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That I think that's pretty cool. So mm. listen, Chris. Christmas ideas here, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll bring that up with my wife. See how it, <laughs> how it uh, how it goes. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Listen, you, you you slip you slip a couple of Hamilton tickets into Nancy's uh, sock, and she'll be all set. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> now, here, here's a fun one for you guys. Uh, three years ago, when they when the Lego ad at was still around. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I missed getting it for uh, what was it? Thirty bucks. Oh, by forty-five like the, minutes. Oh, like the big, like the big ad ad. The yeah. The wow. I I was at the Lego store picking up some stuff for my daughter for Christmas. Went in. They had it. Like I said, I missed it by forty-five minutes. They had it marked down to sixty percent off. And then I get an addition, being a Disney cast member, I got an additional 20% off on top of that. 
<laughs> which would have made it um, roughly 30 bucks. Uh, yeah. 45 uh, minutes sooner. <laughs> and it would have been mine. <laughs> Is that one of those moments where you drop to your knees and scream no up to the sky? <laughs> no, that was one of those moments I want to... I went to one of their employees and going, any possible way. Yeah. <laughs> one in the back, man. Come on. Check. Double check. So, yeah. I Something, oh, Anything. Yeah. That that was my heartbreaker. Yeah. Now, now yeah. I've seen... I, like I, I've seen the I've seen the uh, the first order ones on sale or the you know the the other ones for I think I think they were like seventy bucks that and like Hogwarts Castle and stuff like that. I'll have to I'll I'll send you guys the link to the to the thing. You can go there and you can see the the prices. So okay. it's kind of one of those sketchy ones, but you know I'm I'm thinking of ordering because I'm like you know other than being a Star Wars fan, I'm a huge James Bond fan, and they have the the James the, Bond Aston Martin. The DB oh Martin. yeah. Yeah. How much so, are they wanting for it? Thirty bucks. Wow. So that's, so I'm, that's what like a ninety dollar set, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's one of the techniques. It's got the little revolving license plates. It's got the pop out stuff. The 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 you know the drop up black blast shield and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm actually thinking of using this site do the test run on that because you know if I'm out thirty bucks, I'm out thirty bucks. But if I get the DB one, then I'm golden, mm-hmm. baby. So I'm gonna try that, and then if that works, then I'm gonna go with the the bigger Star Wars. Because actually, I think it's. Yeah, I think it was like 130 for the the big one, the big the big uh, 7500 piece, and then the Kessel Run one was like was only like 70 bucks or 80 bucks. See, I I have the the uh, original trilogy one right before uh, Force Awakens. Yeah, and I think of that size, the Force Awakens one's the best. Because that one's got the the awesome looking um, lounge area. I mean, it looks yep. right. It doesn't have your typical race car bucket seats in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, but I think one of my favorite Star Wars scores is I have a Darth Mickey from Star Wars. Uh, when is that? Star Wars Weekend, two thousand five. Yes. And in the as everyone was waiting to get it, as they were limiting it to two, they were saying once these are sold out, they're not being reproduced for the rest of Star Wars weekends. Oh, and everyone's like, why? Now a lot of people online, and I'm like, oh crap, Mickey's <laughs> never a bad guy. Oh, and all of a sudden he's dressed in a bad guy's outfit. Oh, right, right, right. So they're saying. Oh, it's not Mickey being bad. It's Mickey making fun of Darth Vader. <laughs> sure it is. Well, well eventually. Uh, eventually, Darth, Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. Yeah. He at redeemed the end, himself. Yeah. It, it's just so funny. They're they're very quickly going, realize the error, the mistake. <laughs> after all of these have been produced. I know. Right? <laughs> You'd think somebody would have caught that earlier. <laughs> it's like, who authorized? Well, apparently Lucasfilm signed off on it they had to <laughs> yeah who who in disney merchandise signed off on it i have no idea <laughs> somebody forgot the golden rule <laughs> somebody who's not working at disney anymore oh, yeah no kidding right oh shucks <laughs> oh oh geez fellas uh, i don't know if i should uh, be wearing this thing just lightsaber work <laughs> 
Pluto, Pluto, no! Well, it, it led to a very interesting ringtone that I created for my phone. Because this <laughs> is when uh, Sony came out with the Star Wars cell phone. Yeah. Where, it came, where you bought it and it came with the Star Wars uh, faceplates. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's see if I can find it. So, yes, I created my own and I had people offer me money for it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's on here on my phone. But, I mean, it, it was uh, here... Boom, 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 boom. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I found it. Here we go. Of course, I do that. <laughs> it just went to my Bluetooth. All right. <laughs> Take two. It's one of your pals. Gosh, you sure are popular. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. First, you be, first oh, time my, I got a phone call and we're sitting at like the little pastry thing outside of uh, Hollywood Brown uh-huh. Derby and that went off. Oh my God. Where'd you get that? I made it. How much do you want for it? <laughs> <laughs> not for sale. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I think I had someone offer me 500 bucks for it. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do it. I just, I can't. I can't. They'll hunt me down. They'll find me. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> that, that's the sad part. Probably. So, give, so give us a little insight because you, I mean, you know, obviously, and oh, by the way, congratulations, twenty years for you, Mike. Oh, thanks at, at Disney. But um, you know, you're being so close and at the park. How how is the how is the Star Wars world coming along? Believe it or not, I'm going to be bad and say I haven't been over in that area recently to see. I think the last time. Uh, one of the last times I drove by there, I mean, it looked like it was coming around fairly well. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you can see it definitely from uh, the road called Osceola Parkway. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you're heading towards Animal Kingdom, you can see bits and pieces of it. Oh, um, mm-hmm. But I think yeah, it's been a couple of months since I've been down that way to really to really see. Yeah, over over there. Yeah. 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 But, so yeah, but does it sound like? I mean, from all the scuttle at 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 the park, does it sound like it's going to open up when they say it is? Or are they? Because um, I, I I know they were originally talking the spring, but no, now they're talking about here. the fall of twenty nineteen, right? It, spring for California. Oh, okay, spring for California. Yeah, we have we have yeah. always been four to six months behind. Um, because what we had we had to go through and reclaim some lands that we declared as a wildlife preserve <laughs> um, to expand into the area. So we had to reclaim that land back, and there was some hassle. Uh, really? I can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't tell you. So, yeah. Um, but, I mean, unlike California, where, you know, the same scenario, they're landlocked, too. Yeah. So, I mean, they literally had to get rid of, uh, I think, their their ranch in order to um, mm. and, and relocate some of that in order to get the land, that, to get some of that 14 acres they need. Oh. So, yeah, the, for for both sides, there had, there, there, there was, um, there were challenges on both sides. It's just California was able, you know, everything's internal with them. Well, we're shutting this down, moving them over here. Whereas with us, we had a lot more stuff to deal with with the local government. So, 
Which is surprisingly because, you know, if it wasn't for Disney, there wouldn't be a local government. (laughs) There would be. It just wouldn't be as big. Well, it's like right now we got this huge I-4 project going on. And and I just realized I need to take a look at time. Uh, This might be the the tail end of the story for on air. Um, There's a huge I-4 project, widening project, where they're putting toll roads in the very center of I-4. And originally when Disney was getting ready to build here, once he was discovered he was buying land to build here, um, he made the suggestion from here to Tampa or the whole I-4 stretch from coast to coast because because of Disney. Everything needed to be a six-lane highway on both sides. So 12 lanes across. No one ever listened. (laughs) And now we're slowly getting to that point. (laughs) So it's like if people listened back then, Mm. we wouldn't be doing this crap now. (laughs) So when we were down down there like a year and a half ago, we noticed there there was a lot of construction. Yeah. And I mean, it looked, it looked completely different than the one I remember from even like, what is it, like 10 years ago when me and my wife went down there before we had kids. Oh, it, it would have looked completely different if you were down here a year before that even. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean it's it's just that insane what's going on down here. Uh, and, and this town, I mean, yes, it's a metropolitan, but it, it's it's a lot better. It, it's getting bigger than the town than than Orlando's ready for. Yeah, and and yet the mentality hasn't caught up to it yet. Even with all the younger generations coming in or growing growing up in this area and staying in the area, it's still acting like a smaller town than it's actually becoming, yeah. and, and that's hurting as well. Mm-hmm. Hence, why I'm glad I live in Osceola County, <laughs> not Orange County. So anyway, well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, any final thoughts? Nope. <laughs> no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good here. I just, you know, hey, it's great. To, we, we need any final thoughts. Yeah, no. But hey, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, it's all about yeah. that. It's all about that new rock band, Twisted Vader. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, until next time. Give the evacuation code signal. I can hold it. Pull out! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2.